Tonight we're going to take an eye exam. How many people have ever failed an eye exam? Yep. All right. How many people, yo, 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 hey, 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 be honest now. Time out, time out, time out. We're going to be honest. How many people legitimately, if you're being honest, you would tell me that you failed an eye exam, right? Yep. You were like, you never failed an eye exam? Yo, I remember, man, I failed an eye exam. I was in third grade. True story. Check this out. Listen up, listen up. Third grade, third grade, I had this idea that I wanted glasses, right? But you got to understand, you got to understand, I, I wasn't thinking straight. I thought I was calling them glasses, but what I really wanted was to be like the cool guys on TV and wear sunglasses, right? And so in my mind, I thought the way that you get sunglasses was you needed to like have a prescription like glasses. I didn't know that there was a difference. I'm like, some people wear sunglasses, some people wear glasses. So I just knew that I wanted glasses, right? So I roll up in there and, I'm, and the doctor's like, how are I'm, I'm doing good, miss. I'm doing good. Yep. I'm here for my eye exam. I studied. <laughs> Time to start, right? Sit down. And she's like, all right, can you read the first letter at the top of the chart? And I'm like, two. And she's like, no, we're doing the E chart here. The, the big, oh, I'm sorry. Three, right? She's like, okay. <laughs> Cute boy. Okay. Uh, how about the next line? I'm like, Z. W3. And she's like, there was only two on that one. Okay, okay. Um, how about the next one? Can you see this, right? And I just start, like, I'm making up letters, right? I'm making up numbers. I'm like, Niner, seven, quadro, four, right? And I'm just, like, I'm in third grade, and I'm legitimately thinking I'm having her fooled, right? And she's just like, uh-huh. And, like, if you do this for a living, you could only imagine how annoying it is, right, to have this kid, like, messing with you. Like, you studied for years. They call you doctor. And here's this third grader about to stump you, right, in 10 minutes. Oh, she, she's not going to see me coming, right? I failed my eye exam. I failed my eye exam. I didn't get glasses that day. I think she was on to me. Uh, I think she told my mom his eyes are just fine, but uh, he may need a little spanking, right? But uh, I went in that day, and I wanted to fail my eye exam. And obviously, I, I didn't know how to go about doing it. But there really are people, like those of you who raised your hand, you know that you can legitimately fail an eye exam, right? How many, how many of you wear corrective lenses, right? Glasses? Where are my glasses people? Where are my contacts people, right? Because we're too cool for glasses, right? And then like 6 o'clock in the morning before school, we're like stabbing our eye out, right? But there's two ways, there's two ways that you can legitimately fail an eye exam, okay? And the first way, say the first way, the first way that you can fail an eye exam is by being nearsighted, okay? How many people are nearsighted here? Probably not a lot of you. That's usually like an old person thing, right? Near. To be nearsighted, you can only see things that are near to you, right? No, I looked it up on Wikipedia. So there's some people that can only see things that are like right up on their face, right? There's some, no, I definitely looked it up. Nearsighted is you only see what's near to you. Yes. Whether it's an old people thing or not, I'm sorry. Forgive my, sec, my ageism, all right? But here's the thing. Some people, they go into an eye chart like this and they thrive, right? How many of you can see the E? How many of you see the three, right? How many of you... <laughs> there's no three, silly gooses, right? Some of, we, we have no problem seeing that because it's far away, right? But then there's other people that they would only be able to see it if it was like right up on them, you know? And so there's some people who they can only see things if it's super close. And then there's other people who have the ability 
to see things that are far away, right? Nearsighted vision and farsighted vision. And so tonight, what I want to do is I want us to have a little eye exam, okay? I want all of us here to have an eye exam, but I'm not talking about if you're nearsighted or farsighted in reading. I want to talk about a different kind of eyesight. And what I want us to do today, as we take this eye exam, I want us to consider, are we nearsighted or farsighted when it comes to life? Are we nearsighted in life? Do we only see the things that are directly in front of us, but anything beyond our noses is blurry? Or do we have the ability in life to look past the here and now, to see the things that are to come, and to live accordingly? And so tonight, we're going to break down Philippians chapter 3, the last few verses of chapter 3 that we started at summer camp. And as we do this eye exam, you're going to see both types of people, okay? Everybody say nearsighted. We're going to see nearsighted people in the text tonight, but then we're also going to learn about farsighted people. And so can we begin this eye exam? Are you guys ready? Everybody cover your left eye, and we're going to read the text, okay? <laughs> I'm just kidding. You're like, I can't even read it normal. Stop picking on me. Let's break it down. Check it out. Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 17. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I've often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. They glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship? Our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then check this out. Who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. Wait, what? I'm sorry, what did that say? He will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. Time out, time out. We're about to get to a verse that says we get new bodies, okay? We get, you should get excited about that, all right? We're, that's to come. All right, I won't get there yet, all right? He will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. All right, so this is what we do here at Citizens. We're going to go verse by verse, word by word. Let's go back to the top, and let's just take this. Let's break it down. Let's see what the, what the word says to us, all right? Do you guys believe that, that God speaks to us through his Bible? If you're a citizen, yes, you do, okay? So let's see what God says here. Look at, look at the top of that passage. Brothers, meaning brothers and sisters, right? Fellow Christians, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. And now here's where I want us to, to start, verse 18. For many, everybody say many. Say many. For many of whom I have often told you, and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. So look at the first thing we see here. The first thing that Paul talks about is that we are surrounded by those who are nearsighted. We are surrounded, you as students in middle school and high school, you are surrounded by those who are nearsighted. Kayla, do you have the prop? The prop, right? The bill. And so let me, let me illustrate it right here, okay? Um, imagine, and Kayla's about to, to grab me just a little incentive here, a little illustration. I want you to imagine, actually, let's not imagine, let's just do this. I need a volunteer. Volunteer, come on, let's go. Josh, you're always up here. All right, no volunteers, no volunteers. Okay, nobody wants five bucks. No nobody, all right, that's fine. So imagine, I'm just kidding. Elizabeth, come up here, come up here, Elizabeth, right? 
You're like, he's so farsighted. What? <laughs> right? Relax, guys. Oh, my gosh. So, all right, Elizabeth, come back here. Come back here. I'm going to offer Elizabeth $5, all right? Could you use $5? No. You can't? <laughs> Why'd you come up here? Because money. I like that reason. Why'd you wake up this morning? Because money. I'll work with it. All right, here we go. So I'm about to offer her five bucks, and I'm about to give it to her. But I say, oh, wait a minute, but there's another option. You can take the five bucks now, or you can, like, stop, wait here. I'll run out to my car, and I'll get a $100 bill. Okay. So do you want to take the five bucks? Right? All right. So I offer her five bucks, and I say, you can have it now, or you can wait. You can pause a moment. I will go out and get a $100 bill, hundy, out of my car, crisp, right? I don't know what that was, but that's what like fresh money does, right? It goes, no, right? Obviously, I don't have hundies, okay? But I imagine from the movies that it would be like, like crisp, like, no? Like fresh money makes noise, right? <laughs> right? We digress. But I'm going to go grab a fresh bill, and I'm going to bring it back to her, right? Now take, you're, you can take a seat. Thank you, Elizabeth, right? Here, now, now here's the, <laughs> she's like, she doesn't even get the money. I'd never want to go up there again, right? But check it out. Any wise person, any person who knows what's going on even a little bit, they would say no to the $5, right? They would have the ability to see beyond the money offered right in front of their face, the here and now, and they would have the ability to say, I'm going to actually hold on for a minute and I'm going to wait for something better that's coming, right? Make sense? That's nearsighted. Somebody who would look, somebody who would look and say, I want it now, right? Imagine if somebody came up here and I was like, all right, you have five bucks now, or I can, you can wait a little bit, delayed gratification. I'm going to go get you a fresh hundy, right? I want it now. I want the $5 bill now. And you're like, but I'm, but like, okay, but there's a hundred, I, I want it now. Okay, you're sure about, I want a nap, and it's just, can you imagine, what would you say if somebody did that, right? You'd be screaming, no, stop it, wait, I'll help you wait, and then we can split it, right? What would you say? Imagine someone standing up here, and they don't have the ability to look at the little dollar bill in front of their face. All they see is the here and now. All they see is this instant gratification, and they don't have the ability. They are so nearsighted that that's all they see, Right? That would be called nearsighted. Farsighted, to see far, farsighted is the ability to say, oh, I'm looking past the now. I'm seeing what's coming down there. Farsighted, the ability to look down the road and say, instead of living for the now, I'm going to live life for the life to come. There's some greater reward coming. Does that make sense? So now who wants five bucks? No, I'm just kidding. This is Kayla's, right? This is Kayla's. I, don't, I can't give out money like that. It's illegal. You can't do that at youth group. Section 2.17, man. Come on, guys. And so, all right, so check it out, check it out, check it out, right? Do we understand the concepts of nearsighted and farsighted? Do you feel confident of your ability to grasp that huge concept? You're like, all I know is that I want $100, not five. Good. That's exactly what I'm talking about, all right? Or, or maybe for some of you in here that weren't motivated by money, what if I offered you like a chocolate bar? Would that get somebody more, right? Right? So you come up here and you're like, oh, forget money, because I'm like loaded, but I'll come up for an illustration for candy. I'm like, dang it, I should have known that. And so you come up here, right? And I'm like, all right, I'm going to give you a chocolate bar, right? And you're about to grab it. And I go, wait, oh, but, but wait a minute. I should tell you, 
It's poison, right? <laughs> All eight pieces are covered and coated in cyanide and arsenic and princess bride poisons, right? And you're like, perfect, I've built up an intolerance. No, you haven't. And so now you're here, right? And it's like, you got all excited, you stood up, you worked it up, and you're standing here, and you're just like drooling now, right? Like, how many people know chocolate drool, right? There's like a difference when you're hungry, and you're like, oh, mother, my stomach hurts because I'm hungry. And then you put chocolate, and it's like, blah, 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 I hate that. And it's just like, you guys go wild. Yo, I'm not even kidding, at camp, those of you who were at camp, I, I was transported to the Oregon Zoo. Jake Gamble stood up there, and he's like, how's everybody doing? You're like, good, great to be here at camp. Civilized, young adult here. I'm verging on manhood. And he pulled up like a bag of gummy bears. And we're like, ah, 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 ah. It's like people just went crazy. I was like, who? Like kids next to me were like jumping over the chairs in front of them. Their feet were up in the air. And I'm like, you're in eighth grade, kid. Get a hold of yourself, right? And then like after, afterwards, and this is where I learned not to actually give out things from the front. After he actually gave out the candy, like, I saw the kids in front of me, they were just glaring at those girls, right? Stupid Canada girls. <laughs> just like, I'm like, the skills are good. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> right? So imagine you're sitting here, I don't know where I'm going, you're sitting here and you're drooling for this candy, and you're like, I'm about to get it. I want it now! I want it now! I'm like, all right, you can get it, you can get it. Oh, wait, but by the way, it's poisoned. And you have this decision to make. You go, am I going to make a decision that will give me this instant gratification? Or, or would I rather live? <laughs> Any person who is wise, <laughs> and this is a big if, right? But if there is any person who is wise, they would look at the chocolate bar and they say, I'm going to die to the instincts. I'm going to put to death the hungers inside of me that want the satisfaction now, satisfaction now, I'm going to put those little desires to death for something greater, a.k.a. living. Everybody say nearsighted, farsighted. Now Paul, he's talking here in Philippians, and he, says, he mentions here, the message of the cross of Christ. Right here in verse 18, look what he says. He says, the cross of Christ. And here's what you guys have to understand about the cross. And, and I like that we have a cross up here in the middle, the, the, the one on the stage here. The cross represents an ability to look past the here and now for something greater. How many people have a cross on, on their on jewelry? Anybody jewelry cross? Cross in their, on their wall at home, Right? And we go, wow, that is such a cool piece of jewelry. Wow, look how spiritual I am. Have you ever thought that like the cross was like a first century death machine? <laughs> like imagine if like I wore a necklace, a nice silver chain, passed down from my grandfather of the electric chair. It's just, do you see how nice this is? Like, wow. That's just so deep, right? And you go, wait a minute, what? Like, how is it that this instrument of death has become a symbol of hope? How is it that this instrument of torture and, and blood and, and, and evil has become something that we celebrate as life and good, right? And it's because of what Jesus did with it. The cross represents an ability to look past the here and now 
to something greater to come. And so look what Jesus did. What did Jesus do, friends? Why do we love Jesus? Jesus, he picked up a cross, literally, right? He's walking with a cross. He is beaten. He has scars in his side. He's whipped. He has a crown of thorns. And he's walking with this cross, and he endures the temporary pain right in front of him. He endures the the physical torture in this moment. And the only reason why he pushes past the things in this moment is because Jesus Christ had the ability to look beyond the here and now for something greater to come. Do you hear what I'm saying? You picking up what I'm putting down? Do you get it? On the cross, by taking the cross, Jesus showed his farsightedness. On the cross, Jesus demonstrated an ability to look past the here and now for something greater to come, okay? He looked, through, he looked past the pain for the joy set before him. He knew that he could endure death now because it would mean resurrection. He endured death because he knew it would lead to new life. And friends, that's the good news, friends. Because Jesus had the ability to be farsighted, because Jesus wasn't just living on the here and now, because Jesus wasn't, I want it now. I want joy now. I want freedom now. No, no. He said, I'm willing to give up those desires for the now because he was seeing what was to come. He was farsighted. Do you get it? Okay. That's the same mentality that he calls us to. Look what it says, Mark chapter 8, verse 34 and 35 and and 36. It should be on the screen. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So Jesus was on the cross, and now he tells his disciples, I want you to carry your cross. That's weird. What does that mean? For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? And so in the same way that Jesus had the ability to look past the now for something greater, he says, I want you to pick up your cross. I want you to pick up this symbol and I want you to now put to death the desires that you have now. I want you on the cross to crucify those sinful tendencies that still linger in your flesh. And why are you going to put those things to death now, no matter how hard they are? Because you're looking for what's to come. Even though it's hard to put your sin to death in this moment. Even though it's hard to say no. Even though everything inside of you wants to take the five bucks now, we put to death that hunger Because like Jesus said, he who loses his life will find it. We willingly put those things to death, knowing that there's something greater, a.k.a. life with God. Life with God. And so look at, that's all of that is coming from the, the cross of Christ. Because look what Paul says now. He's warning the Philippians, right? He just got done telling them at summer camp that following Jesus is worth it. He just got done telling them his story about he's left everything behind to follow Jesus. But now he warns them and he says, friends, citizens, watch out. High schoolers especially, watch out. Those of you going to college, careful here because there are enemies of the cross. We're surrounded by people who are nearsighted. Friends, there are enemies. There are people who oppose the mentality that I just described. And so here you are, here's Jake, right? Here's Max, here's Josh. And they're trying to live for Jesus, right? They're trying to look past the here and now and they're dying to those things so that they can experience life to come. 
And Paul says there's people who are vehemently opposed to that mentality. There are people who in this illustration up here, they're going to take the five bucks every single time. They're going to eat the chocolate now because all they care about is gratifying the desires of their heart. And so look what he says about these enemies. He says, uh, they're enemies of the cross. Their God is their belly. Do you guys see that? What does that mean, their God is their belly? It means these are people that like, every time they get a little hunger, they stuff their face and they like, they, they fill that desire. Not just literally, but like metaphorically, like in life, every little desire, every sinful tendency, every itch that they have, they scratch it. Every hunger they have, they satisfy it. These are people who are living based off of their instincts. And so if they get hungry for a chocolate bar, what do they do? They eat the chocolate bar with no thought to the consequences that could come in the future. These are people that when offered the temporary pleasure of $5, they take it. Because they can't look beyond to something greater than $5 that's right in front of them. Do you see that? These are people that because they're following their instincts... (laughs) <laughs> he says their end is destruction. Like imagine someone who like all they see, they're like walking, right? This is like they're playing Pokemon Go and they're walking and all they see is like what's right in front of them and then what do they do? Is this too soon? Too soon to talk about them walking off the cliff? Is that too soon? <laughs> That's like a true story. They didn't die? Oh, then we're good, man. Like imagine these guys, they're enemies of the cross, They are enemies of a far-sighted mentality, and their God is their belly. They're living for the now. And it's like, and Paul says their end is destruction, but they don't even see it because they don't have the ability to look past the now. And so these are the people that are like, oh, I'm going to do me. I'm going to be real to me. If I have a feeling, why would I suppress that feeling? Now I'm just being fake, right? And all they do is they just indulge their desires. They indulge their desires, and they don't even realize that they're headed for destruction. These are people who are short-sighted. And then look what he says. You guys repeated it when you read it. He said, there are many. Say many. Everybody say many. Dude, this mentality is everywhere. Do you know that? How many of you know people that live like that? I'm not going to think about the consequences. I'm not going to look to the life to come. I'm just going to do the here and now, right? Do we all know people like that? The mentality is everywhere. I mean, all right, confession time. There's a song that I kind of like, okay? I, don't, I wouldn't say I like it, but it's like super catchy, right? And it's by Sia. And she's like, I love cheap thrills, right? Yo, don't leave me hanging. Don't, you guys are looking at me like, what song is that? Tell me nobody else finds that song super catchy, right? I love cheap thrills. All right, full disclosure, we were on the guys bus on the way home from camp, and the bus driver, Roy, put that song on, and the entire bus in unison started saying, I love cheap thrills. And I was looking around like, yo, what? What just happened? These, these grown men just became like fifth grade boys. No offense to fifth grade boys. And so the problem with that song is, I don't need another person t- preaching to me the message, just live for the here and now. Our society, our culture, your schools are full of people that are telling you, just do you. Just live for the now. Be real. If you feel it, then feel it. If you want it, then have it, right? 
We live in a culture, Paul says, many, there are many who oppose the, ment- the message, the mentality of the cross. There are many who are looking at you guys and they're saying, you're, you're living for, for something beyond the here and now? What a lame-o, dude. Like, dude, what a loser. Like, seriously? Oh, you don't want to have fun now because the life to come, eternal life. Yeah, big. What? How do you live? How do you go to school? Dude, how do you go to college and be surrounded by people that are preaching this message to you and even try to live for Jesus? Anybody with me on that? How do you go to a school? How do you live in a culture? That from every angle, from the music that we listen to, from, the, from our friends, from, when you go to college, I mean, just the, the, you just feel it. Every angle is saying to you, your coworkers, the television shows you're watching, every angle is saying to you, just live in the moment. Live for the here and now. But what about over there? They go, Shh, stop, look, stop worrying yourself. Take your eyes, take your sight, just look down, just Focus on here. This is good. Doesn't that feel good? And then you're like, it does feel good. And you start scratching the itches and you start feeding your belly and you start acting on those desires and you go, this does feel good. And in the moment, you're like, what was my youth pastor talking about? What was God talking about? This is awesome. Wow, look, I'm just living in the moment. I'm living the moment. This feels so good. And then eventually you end up in destruction. And eventually you realize that as you were enjoying the flavor of the chocolate in your mouth, it was actually poisoning your body the whole time. The ability to be far-sighted versus nearsighted. And so that's kind of bad news, huh? Have you ever tried to live, like, for the life to come, being surrounded by people that are only focused on the here and now? Have you ever tried to live that? Have you ever tried to follow Jesus, and, like, there's only people around you that are like, dude, I don't care what's happening like next week. Just live in the here and now. How do you do it? How, we talk about it at camp, you know, running the race and, and pursuing Christ. How do you pursue Jesus and stay focused on that when there are many people who oppose that mentality? Yeah, I wish I knew. So if you guys find out, let me know. Thanks for coming out tonight. And um, it's been real. So um, yeah, let's pray. <laughs> You're like, I hate this guy. Like, the answer, we need verse 17, friends, all right? And, and that's the tension here. I'm trying to get you to feel the tension because this is real life. This is what you're experiencing in schools. This is what you're experiencing in culture. Jesus, we just read it on the screen. Jesus gave you a message. Carry your cross. And the cross represents an ability to look forward to the life to come. He's telling you this, and there are many who oppose the cross. There are many who are telling you, dude, 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 life to come, what? Eternal life garbage, What? YOLO. You only live once, right? I've always found that so ironic. Haven't you? You only live once. So recklessly endanger it. I'm like, wait, what? I feel like if you only live once, you should live in a bubble, right? If you only live once, we should do this thing very, very carefully, right? But that's what the entire message of culture is. Just live it up now. And so for those of you who are wanting to follow Jesus, For those of you who are saying, yes, I don't want to be a slave to my instincts now. I don't want to just gratify whatever feels good now. I want to have uh, uh, the ability to look for the, toward the rewards to come, for the life to come. There's good news, and it's in verse 17, okay? Look at verse 17. He says this, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. 
Do you see the answer? Look at it again, all right? We said the first point, that you are surrounded by people who are nearsighted. But look what he says here in verse 17. Join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. And so here's the good news. Even though you're surrounded by people who are nearsighted, in the family of God, we've been given people who are farsighted. In the family of God, we are blessed to have people that we can look to who are farsighted. Okay? Does that make sense? You're surrounded by people who live for the here and now, but when you come into the church, when you come into the family of God, God, by his sovereignty and by his grace, he puts people in the community to show us what it looks like to live out our identity in Christ. And so all the young ladies in the room right now, right? Where are the ladies at? You here? You're si- Girl, what's up? Okay, I see you, right? And so you, like all the ladies in the room, your minds are racing. And you're wondering, yeah, I, I don't want to just live for the moment. I want to have eyes to see what it looks like. But that is so unpopular. That is such the minority position. People make fun of me. There are movies made about people who want to not gratify the desires of their flesh right now. And now I'm like, how can I possibly stay strong and live for Jesus? And then there's the guys, right? Where are the guys at? You! Right? Guys, you're, I, man, I respect the guys in this room, man. I love being at camp with you. I love the small groups that are going on. I love all of it. And there is this genuine desire among the men and citizens to say, I don't want to be a slave to the now. I don't want to be a reckless little boy who all I see is the here and now and I end up in destruction of my own soul. We want to be men that have the ability to look beyond the here and now. And so the ladies have the desire, the men have that desire, that desire, but it's hard in this culture. And here Paul says, God has put people in your life. He has given people to this community to whom we can look to and say, that's what it looks like. Oh, when everyone in my school is preaching to me a different message and showing me a different example, I've been given a Jake Newell. Oh, that's what it looks like to live out my identity as a Christ follower. When everybody in your school is making fun of you for, for all these other things that they're, not, that they're doing and you're not, you can look at Courtney and you go, oh, that's what it looks like to put to death the desires of the flesh. That's what it looks like to be farsighted and to have an ability that says, live for the life to come. And so we, in the family of God, we have people who are farsighted and these are older Christians, you know. How many people in this room have been a Christian for more than five years? Okay. How many people in this room have been a Christian for less than five years? Right? Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, that's cool. And so, I mean, if we were to ask that to the church on a Sunday morning, you'd see even more hands. And you just see, wait a minute, there are people who are, who are growing in their faith. They can help those who are younger in their faith, right? God gives us older Christians. He gives us youth staffers. That's why there's people in this room that don't go to high school. <laughs> Kayla, come here for a second, Kayla. Kayla, just come here for a second. Everybody, everybody, say hi to Kayla Dow. Say hi, Kayla, all right? All right. So, so Kayla, she, she's our friend from college. She's living with us. She came here. She's an intern. And she told the other student interns her age, okay? There was some disbelief. 
there were some non-believers, were there not? Were there not haters, Kayla? You're choking up. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay, right? There were some haters. So how many, how, so how old, how old is Kayla, guys? 27. What do you think? 28. Who, what do you guys think? 22? 20? All right. Yeah, 18. Okay, good. Yes. So listen, here's the deal. As much, we're going to settle this once and for all, okay? And the people in this room that, oh, there he is. He believes it. We're going to settle it once and for all. Here's the final answer. Here's the final answer. Kayla is 27. Okay? So listen, Kayla will show you her driver's license later if need be. But here's my point. Kayla's not in high school, all right? Kayla is not in high school. She's not here as a member of the youth group and as citizens. She's, she moved, youth group? She moved here from Hawaii, right, to minister and to serve a group of students to show them what it looks like to follow Jesus. That's why we have those kind of people in this room, friends. And Paul says, join in imitating them. We have youth staff. We have older Christians. And then for some of you in this room, you, you're blessed with godly parents. How many people have godly parents? Yeah. That's, man, praise God. That is tremendous. And we rebel against parents. We, we have bad attitudes. But the reality is parents are God's gift to us to teach us what it looks like to follow God. Next time your parents try to discipline you, just give them a little time out. Say, time out. You know what? We're just going to stop this argument right now. You're totally right. I'm going to shut up now because God has put you in my life to teach me about him. So no further conversation needed. I'll do it. All right? I want you to do that. Next time you're in the middle of an argument, I want you to just pull yourself out of the argument and just be like, mother, father, you're totally right. And forgive me for not submitting to your authoritarian presence in my life. All right? I'll do it. And if they go, son, you've been drinking, right? What are you, you, are you feeling okay? Be like, no, I'm just submitting to God's sovereign plan. <laughs> Obviously, right? That would totally work. God has put people in our life who can demonstrate what it looks like to be farsighted. You catch what I'm saying? We're surrounded by people that are nearsighted, but God has put people in our life that can show us what it looks like to be farsighted. And when we look at the things that they're farsighted on, there's, th well, well, look what it says here about those people who are farsighted. He says, keep your eyes. Keep your eyes on them. God has put these people in the community. Citizens, let, let's finish here. Let's finish, okay? God has put these people in the community, but I don't want you to just glance at them, okay? So I'm walking. Oh, Kayla, God put Kayla. Hey, how you doing? Okay. I don't want you to just glance at them. He doesn't say, I want you to be friendly to them. He doesn't say, I want you to just notice them. He says, keep your eyes on them, right? That's actually one word. And what it means is, watch carefully. I want you to concentrate on. I want you to pay attention. And so it's like right here, locked. Locked. Are you locked? Right here, locked, right? Oh, hey, no, no, locked. Hey, everybody, no, locked, right? That's the word he's using here. There are people that have this, there's people that have the ability to see farsighted, right? There's people who have the ability to live for Jesus. They, they have this maturity. And he says, as they're looking on the life to come, I want you to look at them, all right? You see that? As they're looking for the life to come, I want you to lock your eyes on those kind of people. 
keep your eyes on them. And so it's like, I'm not letting her out of my sight. I'm following her. I'm following her. I'm watching it. And that's what our call is. The people, the Beckas of the world, the Courtney's, the, the Stevens, the Jake's, the, the Anthony's, all those kind of people, those youth staffer people, our response that we lock our eyes on them and we say, I'm watching you. I'm paying attention closely. What does it look like to follow Jesus? I'm, wa- I'm locked. I'm lo- Show me. What does it look like to not live for the here and now, but to live for the life to come? What is, it doesn't look like this. Whatever this is, that's not that, right? But what does it look like, right? What does it look like? You need to you need lock your, keep your eyes, all right? Locked. Pay attention. Locked, right? We need to know what that looks like. But I love this part here, and, and, and you, need, you, need, you need to hear this. You are not to just imitate anyone. Paul doesn't say, anybody who has the title of leader, just do what they're doing. Just imitate them, and you'll be okay. No, no, no. Look what he says. Please, if you don't hear anything tonight, hear this. Students, keep your eyes on who? On those who walk according to the example you have in us. And so he says, don't just imitate anyone. Don't just follow someone because they have the title leader. Don't just imitate someone because they're older than you. You are only walking according, he says, walk according to the example you have in us. Follow those who follow the standard that we've been given from Jesus. You get it? You hear what I'm saying? He says, I want you to imitate certain people. Who? Those who walk according to the example that you have in us, which they received from Jesus. And so we're following people, friends. We're following youth staffers and parents and, ad- and godly adults. We're following them to the extent that they are following Jesus. And so as your youth pastor, this is sobering. Staffers, is this not sobering? Follow us as we follow Christ. You're only following me as your youth pastor to the extent that I'm following Christ. And so if I come up here or, or if my life starts to do this, if I start to get off the narrow path, if I start to deviate in my actions as a Christian, you don't follow me. But he's the youth pastor. He's my example. So if he did it, I'll do it. No, no, no. You never, that's an excuse. You never use the failure of leaders to justify your own sins. You have a responsibility. I'm going to follow my leaders to the extent that they walk according to the example they have in us, Paul says. And I've been a part of that. I've seen kids in youth groups where the youth pastor goes off the deep end. They go, well, if he's doing it, I'm doing it because he's my leader. And so I'm going to supposed to follow his example. I'd love to see how that flies in the face of God, right? I, just, I, I'd wit, like, I don't wish, actually. I would not want to be there for that. We are surrounded by people who are nearsighted. But we've been given the blessing of the presence of people who are farsighted. And, keep, and we're to keep our eyes on them. Keep your eyes on those who keep their eyes on heaven. And look at the final part here. Look at verse 20. The reason why they're good examples is because they have their sights set on something higher than the here and now. And look what, look what they're seeing. They're farsighted. Everybody say three. Look at the three things really quickly as we end here. Three things that they're seeing to, to, uh, uh, in their sights. Number one, they are seeing that our citizenship is in heaven. Verse 20, our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. As Christians, oh, students, you you need to hear this because everything in culture says the opposite. This is not your home. This is not your home. But I live here. Yeah, but you know what? This is not your home. 
You are not a citizen of this earth. You are not a member of this society. This is not where you really belong. You're a refugee. You are a sojourner. You are passing through. You guys know what's going on right now with the, the Syrian refugees, right? Everybody aware of the, the current political situation going on, right? Political climate. There are people, because of ISIS, being displaced from their homeland. And other countries in the world, we are helping them and giving them refuge. They are refugees. They brought refugees into Portland. When a refugee moves into Portland, they're not saying, well, so glad we moved. Good to be here in America. Uh, man, God bless the USA, right? And they're just like decking their wall out in, in the patriotic flags. And they're just, they only wear red, white, and blue now. It's crazy, right? Have you guys not seen the Syrian refugees? They're just, they love their new home. Is that how it is? You're like, I don't know. Tell me. I'll tell you. No! No! A refugee, they are thankful to be here. They're passing through, but they never lose their sense that this is not their home. They never become so fully assimilated that they forget where they really came from and where hopefully they're going back to. A refugee never becomes so comfortable in the culture that they go, man, I don't even remember where I'm from. We're refugees. Our citizenship is not on this earth. Our citizenship is in heaven. And so people who are farsighted, the people that I want us as a community to look to, they always remember that our citizenship is in heaven. Right? Look at the second thing they notice. Second thing, from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who are farsighted, they never forget that Jesus is coming back. Hey, by the way, Jesus is coming back. Oh, and then um, I forgot to tell you guys here at Citizens Tonight, we should have done this in announcements. Paris, next week, announcements. Jesus is coming back. Do you guys know that? Like, we talk so much about in the, in the gospel about, man, my sins are forgiven. Look what he did, death, burial, resurrection. He's coming back. And there's a set, the church is supposed to live with this sense of expectation. You read the gospels. You read the New Testament. Lord, come quickly. Those are phrases they say all the time. Because the church has never, was never meant to become so comfortable. Of like, ah, he's going to be gone forever. I'm going to just relax and uh, I'll eventually get to that stuff. No, no, no. We are living on the edge of our seats. Jesus can come back at any moment. And so people who are farsighted, they never become so focused on the here and now that they, are, they forget that, okay? Number one, our citizenship is in heaven. Number two, Jesus is coming back. And then number three, I think this is so tight. We're going to receive new bodies. I don't know why nobody else gets excited about that. Look what it says. He will transform. Jesus is coming back, and when he does, sitting on a white horse with power, the same power that he, that he uses to subject all the nations under his rule, by that same power, he's going to transform your lowly body. If you're reading that and get offended, suck it up, right? Who are you calling lowly? Yo, it is lowly compared to the body that God is going to gloriously transform you into. Listen, friend, I know all the kids that like can't lift up the bar, they're like, yes, right? You still got to work out in heaven. I'm sure of it, right? But listen to this. When God saved you, when God saved you, do you know that he regenerated your heart? Do you know that when God saved you, he took that black, rock hard heart out of you, out of your chest, and he put into a new heart? With that new heart comes new desires. You have new aspirations, new desires, new mentalities, and you have this heart. 
new desires. It's beautiful. When you get baptized, that's what you're symbolizing. I'm going into the water. My old life is dead. I'm coming up. I'm a new person. You're like, that's what it means. Yes. But how many people know that even though God gave you a new heart, there's still this lingering sin in your flesh, right? There's still these lingering old habits that that bog you down. And that's why you read Romans chapter 7, and Paul sounds like he's bipolar. He's like, I want to do the things for God, but I can't do the things for God. And I want to live for him, but the things I don't want to do, I do. And the things I do want to do, I don't do. And oh my God, who will save me from this wretched man that I am? And then he goes on to talk about how the Holy Spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can put to death the deeds of the body. But that struggle there that he's talking about, I have a new heart, and we're like, yes, amen, I want to live for Jesus. And then we go home tonight, and we're like, crap, I'm confronted with the sin that's still in my flesh. I just sang, I love Jesus, and then I go home, and I'm not with my small group, and I'm experiencing these old habits that are still stuck in me. Friends, good news. And people who are farsighted, they see this, and I want you to keep your eyes on them. God is going to save us from that body. Those of you who are discouraged, and you're despairing, because you're like, I will never get over this sin. Man, I thought what God did in my life was real, but why am I still struggling with sin? Man, I thought I was a Christian, and now the enemy is accusing you, saying, you're not a real Christian. You would never do that if you were a real Christian. Oh, see, that whole last year was a, you're a phony. You went right back to that sin, and he tries to accuse us. But here's the good news, friends. God is going to transform our body. He's going to rid us of our sin. He's going to rid our flesh of those old habits and evil tendencies. And people who are far-sighted, they don't become so discouraged by the, well, I guess I sinned. You know what? I'm not even a Christian anyway. They go, you know what? People who are far-sighted say, you know what? Yes, this sucks right now in the moment, but I know that one day God's going to bring me a new body, and I'm going to live toward that end. You guys, man, I don't envy you. I thought high school was rough. It, is, it was nothing compared to what you guys go through. You are surrounded by people who are just screaming at you. They're not simply saying, hey, Aria, um, if you want to like, live for the here and now, I won't judge you. They're saying, I hate you unless you live for the here and now. Kennedy, you're trying to live for the life to come. Your presence offends me, right? Kayla, you want to try to live for eternal life and not live it up now, sister. Otherwise, you're out. And that's the message that you're constantly hearing. You're surrounded by, by nearsighted people. But friends, Paul's message tonight was that you've been blessed with people who can show you what it looks like to live farsighted. We have the example of Christ and we have the example of his followers to show what it looks like to not live for the here and now, but to live for the life to come. And the big idea tonight, friends, from Paul's command is to keep your eyes on those who keep their eyes on heaven. Sam, I don't know how to live for Jesus. I have so many voices. All these people, they're telling me how to do it. Keep your eyes on those who keep their eyes on heaven. You want to know what it looks like to put to death these habits in you? You want to know what it looks like to live out the new identity you have in Christ? You want to know what it looks like to live for Jesus in the midst of temptation? Keep your eyes on those who keep their eyes on heaven. Keep your eyes on those who keep their eyes on heaven. And so as we sing and respond and, and hang out tonight, here's how I want you to respond. Tell me if this is okay. If we can do this, I, I think this would be good for us. First of all, I want you to ask yourself, am I nearsighted or farsighted? 
do I, am I, am I a person, am I a young man, am I a young woman who I tend to just look at the here and now and I'm nearsighted? Or am I a person that, man, I'm, I am wanting to see what's out there. I'm looking beyond temporary pleasure for an eternal weight of glory. Are you nearsighted or farsighted? And then the second thing I want you to ask yourself, who are the people in my life that I'm keeping my eyes on? Man, I kind of know that youth staffer over there, and Sam's been talking about following the example of youth staff for like a month now. I don't know why he keeps bringing it up. Because the Philippians keep bringing it up. All of them, they, all the verses, each verse is called a Philippian. Um, all the Philippians talk about it. It's important. But my question is, friends, who are the people in your life that you're keeping your eyes on? Do you have a small group leader? Do you have the contact information of a youth staffer? Do you have a godly parent you can talk to? Are there older Christians in your life? Keep your eyes on those who keep their eyes on Jesus.